hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 16. Holy cow, 16 episodes of the Kanja Book Club, a weekly teeny podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am here with a man who goes by many names, but mostly he goes by friend, Adam Dyson. How you doing, man? I'm going good, man. Ready to finish this book and get my emotional mental stability back after it crushed everything I was. <laughs> everything that you were, yes. And also joining us is another good friend, Patrick McIntosh. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well, doing well. Also, Adam, don't let him call you friend. I heard him talking smack about your football club in the uh, on the Zoom call before this. You gonna take that line down? I know, uh, but no you one take that from a Liverpool supporter. No one believes me. Everyone just thinks that Timothy's this nice guy. But really, mm-hmm. before we jump across into Discord, he's just ripping on me and Patrick. <laughs> I know. Abusive. Okay, look, he just look, thinks because so- his team won their first little title in thirty something years. In like none of us have been alive since they won their last title. He can just talk to so- them anytime they want to. Well- Listen, listen, listen. What had happened was last week, <laughs> last week, we all did really well. All of our teams did really well. And also, Adam, I didn't forget, we've got to shout out Scotland here for pulling off the incredible, correct? That is, you are right. We are going to the Euros. It's a big thing, everyone. Yes. It's a big thing. <laughs> it's it's a great big thing. Um, Scotland this- has my boy, Scott McTominay. So many. We got this. Yeah, I have I have full confidence, full confidence in your boys. Uh, no, today's not not so great on on our football club front. Liverpool tied and Everton lost. We'll see what happens with me and you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping for some conjugal club. You know, we need to just like 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 we are here to carry each other through our losses. And so I hope that Patrick gets a, a feeling of what that looks like as well. I hope I know. No, we need to climb this ladder. We need to strike while the iron is hot, baby. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have a whole lot of time left, so... <laughs> we really don't. We need some W's. We'll be the first... Well, I'll tell my friend, we'll be the first team that's like gets relegated from the Premier League and win the Champions League in the same year. Hey, that's claim to fame. Exactly. <laughs> Records. Best and worst at the same time. Yeah. So, so Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. But, well, glad to have you boys along for this ride and also hello to all of our friends in the chat um we've got brea and chris and meg so glad to see you guys um hey and i don't always channel the dark side brea when it comes to sports you watch yourself um and there is good in me there's there's mostly good in me Uh, at least i i think um if any of you are new to the show welcome we're live in discord every saturday at 4 p.m eastern and our episodes hit the utini patreon feed every tuesday morning around midnight if you'd like more info on either of those platforms let us know and for those of you who aren't able to catch us live feel free to send us your comments um on the episodes like our posts on patreon um shoot us a message if you want to get your thoughts on the air which i've got to give a shout out to Gia, I hope I'm saying that right, um, who it appears has been on a massive binge recently of all of our uh, previous episodes. Looks like um, Gia's up to date on 
on Kenobi now. So hopefully that will get a listen to this week. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Glad that you are a part of it, even if it isn't live. Uh, so glad to have you with us. We don't have too, 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 too many updates, uh, but I do want to give a shout out to Trevor and Jose on Star Wars Archives officially releasing. They dropped their first two episodes last weekend. It is such a blast. Um, Trevor coming to the table with all of the knowledge and Jose coming to the table with a little bit of knowledge. It's a really fun dynamic uh, to watch the quizzing and, and all of that go down. That also brings us up to eight regular podcasts um, hitting our Patreon feed. How cool is that, guys? Have y'all gotten a chance to listen to any of them? Yeah, I have. I uh, managed to listen to the first two episodes of the Star Wars Archives and really, really enjoyed it. Trevor comes at it with what just bulk knowledge, and I'm just, I'd be sitting there in in, in Joxy's place, just just learning. Um, so yeah, it's it's just Utini's growing and growing. Feel knowing we have eight podcasts now. Man, we should have like our own streaming service pretty soon. Be like on the dude. You know, like how the Roku has like select channels or like the little Apple TV um device. We we need a a Utini channel now. Wait, since it's Star Wars, were you going under Disney Plus? Dude, could you imagine if we we were big enough to to be under the Disney Plus banner if we got bought out by? I don't I don't know that Corey would sell out to the man. I don't know that he would. <laughs> I mean, if they left him marginal control, I think we could make a profit. <laughs> I don't know. Then, sh- then, then again, he's a sh- yeah, he is a shill for money, so maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying, as long as we get some checks out of this, he's a business. Yeah, that's fair. Businessman, medical professional, second. <laughs> we don't have to, you don't have to pay me a whole lot of money. All I just want is like sixty k a year and some free um free merch and free um Star Wars games every time they come out. Well, speaking of being a show for money and also some free merch, um, our Patreon, uh, we just launched yesterday, I believe, um, an annual membership. So you can continue to pay monthly. If you are listening to us on Patreon, you can definitely do that. But also you can sign up and pay for it in batch for the entire year. And if you do that, you get two months free, which is an awesome discount. It applies to all of our tiers. So if you want the free merch, um, which happens at some of our higher tiers, um, you want all of the shows, including um, Star Wars Archives, which you just mentioned, and Calf Faves, which Meg and Heather just released another episode this last Friday, which is really, really good. Really, really, really hysterical. Um, (laughs) If you want access to to all of that, please jump on um, and check that out. Next, we've got our upcoming books. Um, After we finish Kenobi today, we're covering the Age of Republic Limited series um, in December. We're going to cover the first two weeks. So I think, Chris, you asked earlier which one was going to be first. Um, We're covering Villains next week, and then we'll be covering Heroes um, and The Special. We'll cover all three of the special little issues. Um, We'll cover those on the second week um, with the Heroes. So that will be December. January will be Light of the Jedi by Charles Saul. There you go, Patrick. I didn't forget. Um, And and then February, because we got to talk about February already. Um, Our bookshelf is opening up today. So let us know what books you want us to cover in February. 
Um, whichever book gets the most um, comments, gets the most emojis, what have you, will then go into next week's Patreon poll um, alongside mine, Adam and Patrick's picks. And then we'll announce it on the very last week, which will be the Heroes Week. We'll announce that in December. That way you can go ahead and get it into your Christmas wish list. Um, you know, we'll still have like what, two, three weeks to spare. So if you want to get uh, that into the holidays and um, want to make sure you get that out to the family and friends who are going to gift you some Star Wars. So a lot of fun stuff going on. I'm very excited. I've already gotten to sneak a couple of chapters in of Light of the Jedi. And oh, my gosh, guys, this thing is going to be incredible. Um, real excited about everything, about everything. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it quiet, keeping it quiet. <laughs> But super excited. Well, boys, let's get into the ridiculousness that is the ending of Kenobi. Um, spoiler warning ahead for those of you that are listening. Um, feel free to turn away if you'd like, but please don't because it's so good. All right. So here we go. Uh, don't the rift. Away. Come yeah, in. Don't. Let us hold you. Let us bring yeah, you we'll, the Star Wars knowledge. We're, we're here. We'll, we'll sing Kumbaya together. We'll... Uh, <laughs> It'll be fine. I'm sorry. Uh, I made echo left. <laughs> you're good. You're good. All right. So the rift, the final part, opens with a Tuscan raid on Ulbrecht's home. They've been planning this for days. When the clouds cover the moon, they attack in single file, the Tuscan way. They shoot out the lights, which is a little bit odd, and they lay fire on the compound. Everything is going according to plan, including capturing Magda Ulbrecht, until a figure dressed in tan shows up. It's Ben. There are a few scuffles, and in the back of my head, I'm going, I bet this Tuscan Raid is really Orin and company. And you know what? I was right, because it is. There's this really hysterical moment where Ben makes a comment. He noticed that it was Orin and them because he doesn't do so well alone. After his last Jabba incident, Orin doesn't know how to function without a team. Um, they take off running. Orin heads to the speeder where Jabe is waiting, but real Tuscans show up and attack them. The last we see of Jabe, he's about to take a rock to the head. We change scenes, and Annaline contemplates the last couple of weeks, the changes that have been going on in her life, and then Oren shows up. And oh, do I hate this guy. He explained why he's in debt, uh, why he is in debt, and pleads for Annaline to marry him. Then he tells her that Jabe is dead. I really freaking hate this guy. <laughs> Next chapter, <laughs> plot twist, Jabe's alive. <laughs> ben and Aark work out a plan. Having just found out that her son is supposedly dead, Annaline is stricken by the news and wants to go look for him immediately. Orin says to wait, and then all of a sudden, Jabe walks in and starts telling the truth. Ben appears to Annaline in her bedroom window and explains how bad the situation is. They've got to go. There may be good left in Orin, but the bad has caused irreparable harm to the claim's reputation. Ben's meditation, he's just, he's finding out that he's got to stop caring for the local things if things are going to work out. The galactic is what matters. Annaline sells the store to Glomer, and then Orin uses the call to turn the settlers against Ben. Annaline is worried, so she uses the red comm link to summon Jabba's people to stop Orin. Ben traps Orin at the rift, reveals his story after a stampede of Banthas comes in, and then Orin finds he's extra trapped when Jabba's muscle shows up. Aark is upset that, the, that Jabba's people are there. Um, it wasn't in Ben's plan at all. He pieces together that Anakin may have been responsible for the Tuscan attack three years ago, but we'll, that's fine. Um, <laughs> overwhelmed by numbers, the Tuscans need to hide. All hell breaks loose, then Orin takes Annaline as a hostage to escape up to where Ben went. Arriving at the top, Ben tries to convince Orin to leave. Turn back now. Mountain crevices are used in this really cool way, kind of like a hall of mirrors almost. There's sounds everywhere. Orin can't figure out where Ben went. 
Orin's losing his mind. Mullen and Vika contemplate killing Eneline, but Aark intervenes, killing Mullen and wounding Vika. Rocks begin sliding into the section where Ben and Orin were last seen. A crate dragon has been awakened. Ben fights and kills the dragon in epic fashion. Orin says he'll reveal that Ben is a Jedi to the Empire. Uh, he finds Mullen's body and weeps. Ben's not going to kill him because he knows he's going to die soon enough. Orin tries to flee on a sputtering speeder, but Aark shows herself and he tries to ram her. They end up going. She throws the uh, Gaddafi stick at him, breaks the windshield. They tumble off the ledge and Aark is rescued by Ben and Annalene. She lets them flee. Everyone's exhausted. It is, as Ben said, back at the claim, though everyone believes Orin is a fraud. It still affects the Caldwell's kind of stand in the community. They were just too close together. Orin turns out to be alive and he's a Tuscan now. Aark wants him to work on the vaporator that they had stolen last section and give them water. If he does, he'll get to stay alive. Annalene and the kids arrive at Ben's place. She will be attending university, but Ben has to say. He's been lying to her, and she's angry about that. And they leave. Aark has, has grown a lot in this time. It's time for her people to live for tomorrow instead of just today, instead of just fighting. Orin gives them magical water after all this time. Annalene sold the speeders and donated to the residents of the claim, which is a really cool thing to do. She doesn't have to live by her husband's dream anymore. She's she's done her time doing that. Ben, he might still have some time to put in on tattooing, but he'll be okay. Annie and the kids are safe. Luke is safe. And one day he'll get a chance to leave the shadowy existence that he's destined to live for a bit. Patrick, opening thoughts. Goes from... Someone that's just kind of mildly obnoxious to just a full-blown, just a full-blown asshole. And I just hate, <laughs> I ended up hating that guy so much. Orin is the absolute worst. Like, he's so selfish. Like, ladies, yeah. when we talk about toxic men, that's what we talk about right there. <laughs> yeah, Orin, Orin is the definition of just wallowing, uh... Self-pity, just drag him yeah. down with him. Yeah, not not at all good. Uh, Adam, how about you? What did you think of this opening? It was just, I think it just, it's a tick of the box for the writing because, you know, you and I, Timothy, we haven't read this story before. So we were on the fence with Oren at the start going, oh, yeah, we're, we're trying to, we're thinking about his separation everything that he's possibly going through. And then by the end of this section, we're just like, ugh. Yeah. Good. Somebody give me some gasoline. Let's set this guy on fire. <laughs> like it was just such Not a... Not the whole gasoline. <laughs> I was like, it's such a poetic end though that like... It really is. It would is. have been easy for him just to eat a Gaddafi or get shot with a blaster, but like to be brought into that society that he has both killed members of, manipulated, done all these terrible things and now he's a member of it and now he has to live yeah. with those choices they were just such a poetic ending for and and well and deserved yep and i'm pretty sure that i asked this question later on here in the show notes but i just i just have to say it now i think we talked a couple weeks ago about how frustrating it is that it seems like people don't get a chance to live through redemption like they don't have to suffer for the crimes that they've committed and I am so glad to see that Oren gets a chance to do that, right? Just it just feels good. It just feels really good. Yeah, and like that Ayak using his skills 
to bring water yeah. to the tribe, you know, that they're willing now to both utilize Oren, utilize the, the, the evaporator. Like it's all, it's all coming together. Yep. Well, we get to talk about him quite a bit because he is, you know, the, the, the nemesis of this, this book really, but let's go back to the beginning of the section, uh, chapter 36. Patrick, did you know that, you know, the first time that you read this, did you know that, that the Tuscans that were raiding Ulbrich were not Aark and her clan? Did, did you feel like anything was off there? Yeah, when they shot the lights out, that kind yeah. of gave me a hint because I was like, that's a military tactic. When you raid, a, when you do a night raid, you uh, cut either cut the power or shoot the lights out to give you cover. And nowhere in the films or any of the other books do they talk about the um, Tuscans is doing anything, you know, anything sort of like that. And they didn't really use guns to begin with anyway, so it was weird they kind of opened up that way, right? Well, don't they use, um, as in the in-universe term, slug throwers? So, uh, maybe. I think that's right. And they they walk in single file to hide their numbers. Yeah, I think it was the the over the over description that kind of clued me in a little bit. Adam, how about you? Did you did you have a feeling something was 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 a little off here? Yeah, I did, and it was. It's kind of sad to say, but like the brutality of it wasn't there, um, for what we had seen at the start of the book, um, when the Tuscans had raided that homestead and were willing to kill. We weren't really seeing that on this raid um they were willing to to just cause damage um yes some physical pain but weren't willing to kill which just didn't seem in their mo at the time but then yeah as well as that i was was also thinking about that it could you know maybe they've changed further like they're willing to use um, farming equipment now which is something that they've never done and they've never been willing to do they destroy on site but yeah just just the brutality of it just kind of it wasn't there yeah it seemed a little too thought out yeah uh, i think a little too planned yeah well getting to watch Oren, um who again i absolutely despise getting to watch him you know wrestle with his new life was great how did you feel trying to you know watching him Adam, try to explain everything that went down when he's back at the claim. Uh, I felt absolute pity, um, not necessarily for him, but I don't know. It was just it was tough. What'd you think? It was just that old Simpsons quote, like "dig up, stupid." Like he just continued to make <laughs> a horrible situation even worse for himself. And as yep. the viewer, you're just like, "Oh man, come on, like just stop." And then not only that, like it, it then went into manipulation and like, I'll marry your daughter. Like you are a great a douche canoe and I can't wait for something terrible to happen to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, that is one of my favorite uh, underrated terms to call people I don't like. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Patrick, he, he wasn't even going to lead with the fact that the Eneline's son had died. How messed up is that? That is the epitome of narcissism, selfishness, and just god-awful human being that he was. Like, let's not also talk, like he said with Adam, not top that off that her son is dead, but, oh, I'll marry your underage daughter. 
Like, what? Like, hold up. She's still 17 in this book. Yeah, the whole thing's just skeezy. Yeah. It's like, what type of slimo are you? Yeah. Very rarely do I ever feel like I have I've read a book with a character in it that literally makes my skin crawl. Um, And it it I did not feel great reading this. Adam. Yeah, like before I read this book, I thought that I didn't know much about it. I made sure I didn't know I didn't know much about it. So I thought, oh, it'd just be a standard heart affair. But like the villain was just just so well done that it's not like your standard gangster rides into town, shoots up the town, etc. But like he literally made like your skin crawl. Like that is a just a different level of villain. Especially at this point where it's like we've been riding this, it's going high, like he's getting worse and worse, and then this conversation just skyrockets. Like he, then we, we yeah. see exactly who he is. Yeah, it was a very grand reveal. Patrick, you have anything else you want to add? And to like go off of what Adam was saying, with this, it's not like, like you said, it's not a gangster that just rides into town, but in a lot of ways, the gangster starts off as the good guy. If you look back mm. to like the part one of this, um, of this novel of where he's, you know, he's the hero. He saves the town from everybody. And she's like, you know, the glue of the community. And yeah, put a little glue remover in there. And we see what happens. Well, that's one of the interesting things I think we see at the end, right? Is, is everyone rallies alongside him to go in um, and try to capture Ben, you know, when he flips the switch on them. But then it's also like they're not surprised to hear that he's done these things to them also. So it's like, yeah, he's the local hero and everybody kind of believes him. But they're also like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. He's a yeah. (laughs) Um, Very, very fascinating. But let's let's flip over to Ben and Ark here, because in Chapter 38, they start to work out this plan. Um, And I was kind of surprised that Ark put up with Ben as long as she did. Uh, Patrick, did that shock you at all? You know, like she's she seems a little unsure about him still, but she's willing to push through. Uh, what do you think about that? At this point, I wasn't because after the first encounter with her, with him and her, when she finds out that he's the Jedi, I think she realized his power and was like, you know what? He's not here to harm, to hurt. Like she could feel his intentions almost. That's what it always seemed like. So. And he he always showed his true intentions and his calmness to her. So she was willing to go with somebody, you know, who she knew wasn't going to hurt them or cause them harm. Plus, she respected his power from the um, from the beginning. Yeah. Adam, you have anything you want to add there? Yeah, definitely. I think there is that this individual is incredibly powerful and that comes into play. And she's also dealt with Sherrod Het as well. So she she knows. I think it'd be a little different. Like, I think it'd just be purely on that fear base if she hadn't already had dealt with what she sees as a wizard before. It's that experience. Yeah, it's a little bit more familiar, so she'll roll with it until she kind of hits a breaking point, which it seems like she's got a pretty high tolerance for now, which is great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. Again, just another really well-written character where we think at the start of this male brute warlord but it's just it's completely different than that so you know 
another strong, strong character, strong writing. Anytime that Annalene is on the page, I am just 100% engrossed. I want to know so much more about her. I want to know, um, you know, what she's going to do next. And, you know, we get the plot twist that Jabe is actually alive, right? He shows up, you know, in Ben and Ark's conversation. Um, Annalene and Orin are both shocked when he walks, you know, into the claim. Adam, you know, walk me through Annalene and Orn are both they both approach it very differently, right? They're they're both shocked, but shocked in very different ways. And they both take very drastic actions going forward. You know, kind of walk me through that. Yeah, I just you know, in the end I just saw that Annalene just it'd be like a ghost, like she was still coming to terms with like the fact that Orin just robbed all your son's dead. And then, we'll, yeah. you know, Oren tries to move on as quickly as possible because Oren is a selfish bastard and just wants to save Oren. But for her, like, you've just found out your your child is dead, your boy, and he's she's probably still – like, it would have been like seeing a ghost and then becomes maternal from there. Oren, though, you know, all, all I just see is, again, someone trying to protect himself. Um, he just doesn't want the that the fact that he has – raided all these places himself to just come out <laughs> right it's just, just the most important thing to Oren is Oren. Um i thought it was absolutely fascinating that he's like i know i just told you your son's dead but let's go wait till morning to figure out what's going on yeah like he does not he doesn't get it and yeah. i feel like there's a detachment there with his own kids where he's probably not going to care if one of them ends up you know dead like this <laughs> yeah it's like, he's got himself to worry about exactly and it goes into the point that we are going to get to that to that very thing later and even in his grief you just there's there's that part of you that just doesn't believe that it's that that it is entirely sincere because Oren Oren is number one for Oren and this whole this whole scene in the in the store just screams that at you Patrick, did you catch anything in in the the differences in the way that they approach the fact that Jabe was alive anything you want to comment on there not really. Adam summed it up perfectly um, that Oren was only caring about Oren, and he, um, yeah, he didn't seem to actually care about his own kids. Honestly, when you think back on it, uh, you look how he let his daughter drink until she just fell out somewhere, and that the son was just a, a, a moronic bully. Yeah, he didn't care about neither one of them. Well. After after Ben, you know, shows up in Annalene's window, which, let's be honest, was a little bit weird <laughs> um, after after that happens and he convinces Annalene to leave, he decides in his meditation, you know what, let's let's forget about about balancing the, the local issues and the galactic issues. Uh, we don't need to worry. You know, we'll let the local affairs take care of themselves. Um, do you think that 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 sticks? Do you think that that holds up with what he's he's wanting to his end goal i guess like is was that a good call on his part patrick yeah and it also also gives him a more focus on the end game of um making sure luke is trained and raised properly and makes it safe to his adulthood instead of um you know because god forbid what happens um if you get involved in some other local hut affairs or something like you know something balloons that's even worse than you thought it was going to be he could have ended up dead in that and 
he would have sacrificed the long game for not just him and Luke, but the entire the Galaxy the Rebellion and everybody in that cause over dealing with some um some local issues. Adam, how about you? I, I feel like this was kind of a, a rash decision on his part. D- do you you think this is a, a good call for him to think, yeah, let's let's let the, the local things take care of themselves? Yeah, it just it'd be pretty hard, I guess, going from a galactic mindset to a local mindset. Um but yeah, it's just for like for these inhabitants like this is a galactic problem for them it is galactic importance on in their mind like it's the most important thing that's happening right now they don't care about the empire they don't care about the republic they just what's happening in the oasis that this directly affects me and my ability to live um so again it's just like you know we didn't something you know to bring up is like you know he's having to make these decisions himself now um he doesn't have the foundation of the order. He doesn't have the Jedi Council telling him what to do. And, like, this is just all comes down to that now. He's just making his own decisions. And, and really, like, yes, in his own way, he might have been making his own personal decisions, but they were they, were they really his? Like, probably not. So now like he has no nobody to lean on, nobody to think for him. It's just him. Um yeah. And like I, I would love to say that that was my thought, but that came from a much smarter person than me. But I thought I'd, I'd throw it in there, like, yeah, this is, you know, he's having to do this himself. I wonder, do you think that that's maybe that that's a lesson that that Qui Gon is trying to teach him because he's not responding? Um, I don't think that Obi Wan's doing it wrong. Do, do you think that he's letting him? letting him figure this out on for his you know for himself yeah well i remember like on was it the living force where they spoke about the boys spoke about the fact with, with jjm that like there was a reason why qui-gon didn't talk it was somewhere in legends continuity i can't exactly remember where but i actually think it worked out better because yeah. it just becomes such a, it just, it's, it's more of a personal journey for obi-wan because he has to figure this out himself he has to. He's never done this before. So I think that the fact that we were forced down this road, for me, it's a better story. Yeah. Patrick? And honestly, that's so in line with, you know, how Qui-Gon would uh, operate. He would, um, trying to make Obi-Wan more of an individual instead of relying solely on the words of the Council, but listen to the Force itself and let that guide you. And like you, you and Adam were saying, that's that's what he. That's what his goal was here. Cool. I do want to shout out Aaron and Amy for joining us, and Alex as well. Glad to have you guys in. Hello um, there. <laughs> it's pretty bold of Annaline to use the 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 red call, you know, thing to to summon Jabba's muscle. Um, you know, we just talked about about Ben having to make decisions on his own, and Annalene's like, "Punt whatever Ben's doing. I've got a, a card up my hand." Is that a smart on her part, Patrick? What do you think? It really was pretty slick because um, Orin had a, like he had a chance to get out of whatever jam he was in when he had all the people with him, but once the huts came in and cornered him in, oh no, it was a wrap. They had him trapped. Yep. Adam, what do you think about Annalene here here in the end, uh, you know, making some calls for herself and, and really taking things in her hands? 
Yeah, just just another piece on the chessboard, isn't it? Like, there's just so much going on right now, and she knows who's hunting Oren, and naturally, when that when Oren is causing all this trouble, you'll call those who would like to have a word with that individual. So I think it was a very smart decision, though. Like you can see, like it can go wrong. Like you're now seen as the person bringing in the gangsters. Um, but like she's been pushed into that position she just she's helping in in the way that she thinks that she can help i was i I thought it was really cool to get to to see them again i was also very excited in a weird way that jabba wasn't involved um I, i thought it was really clever writing that you just see you know his thugs his uh you know his his muscle but that jabba's not actually present in in the book as a, a main character i don't know I, I think i kept expecting that adam what'd you think yeah i like i said i think you probably like me like before we sat down and read this or listened to it for the first time we're like this is going to be like an obi-wan v jabba thing right like he's going to stop something yeah. and then not only do we not get jabba and not only are the gangsters not the main villain but it like we're seeing them being used by a hero as a tool <laughs> right like like yeah if i was asked how i would see the huts utilized in the story it wouldn't be as the battering ram for you know probably our favorite character in story yeah yeah it would have been <laughs> ultimate gangsters the ultimate villains yeah yeah absolutely uh really clever really clever what he did there uh, you know ben goes to reveal all of Oren's faults. Um, I thought it was really funny the way that, you know, they used the stampede there. And then he, you know, kind of did his ghostly, um, you, you know, I, I'm going to say the the way that he kind of snuck around, uh, reminded me of, of a character we saw in a recent episode of, of a star Wars thing, uh, yesterday, just kind of ghosting around and sneaking from one place to the next. And, you know, not really know what's happening. I have no idea who I'm talking about. Um, but I thought it was really cool to see Ben kind of switch out some of those pieces and to, to, you know, use the, the air, horn to reveal everything that Oren has done um and i'm gonna be honest i'm pretty sure that Oren's kids are dumber than rocks they are they're way more dumb than rocks um and i think that they helped sell um the fact that Oren is an idiot uh, patrick do you did you get that that vibe that it was the kid's fault i mean yeah they're like dad dad what are we gonna do yeah that god those kids are just dumb as rocks like you said Jesus, like they make my IQ go down just like rereading that section a bit. They made me stupider. I had to, I had to go do some like math flashcards or after once I, once I had to go past their dialogue. <laughs> and also, they, it's like you could have kept the con going a little bit longer if you knew how to play calm, and not you know run like a coward, but you know play it cool a little more. You might have been able to like, you know, ease your way out of the situation. No, not those rockheads. They just, you know, gave up the whole con right then and there. Yeah, I feel like this is another another sign of bad parenting, right? Like he is treating his kids more as 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 mercenaries, as, you know, parts of a team rather than uh, than family. And maybe their communication would have been a little bit better if he treated them more as his children. I don't know. Adam, you have any thoughts there? Oh, those kids are definitely in, like, oxygen thief territory. But, like, it just – also, it's just the fact that they just never had a chance to begin with, right? Like, they just – Oren's wife left for a reason, clearly, and he just – And she didn't he, think to take the kids. Exactly. So <laughs> she knew better. Just 
she just, knew they'll, nothing, they'll do nothing but mess my life up. <laughs> it's just one of those things Sorry, where <laughs> it's it's just they were never really given the chance, and then as they grew older, when they had the ability to make their own decision, and then decisions, and it does fall on their fall on them at that point again. That what do they have to lean on? And they just paperweights at this point, really. Um, but you're right, like, <laughs> Orange should have known that he couldn't lean on them for support to make this continue to work. <laughs> yeah, like of all of the people to include in in raiding your neighbors, you're gonna pick your two children and a guy who's now I mean, they couldn't take him this go around, but a guy who's dumb enough to get addicted to Wookiee meds. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> you are just not you are not brilliant, sir. Um please sit down. Jeff, what's the um the three sons from Futurama? Mom's kids, the three idiot sons. Oh gosh. That's all I, don't I know. thought about when I saw them. It's like, quiet, I, you smack. I mean, I pretty much felt like I was watching Ed, Ed, and Eddie here, you know? <laughs> just, just not not great. Not great at all. Um, you know, Ben finally figures out, you know, there's, there's a little bit of this where he figures out that Anakin was probably at fault for the Tuscan Massacre. And I'm not going to lie, the first thing that I thought of when I read this was the memes with Padme, where he's like, he killed the children. And then she's like, Oh, that makes sense because he did that to all the Tuscans too, right? <laughs> um, that was that was really tough for him to figure out. I I just I thought that was interesting, but this is a bad enough situation. Everything going on, the Tuscans have to hide. Orin ends up being so desperate that he has to take Annaline hostage. This man does not love her at all, at all, at all. At first, I thought there was a little bit, but now you're gonna take her hostage. Uh, I was hoping for the worst for him. Um, then you know, graciously gives Oren every possible chance to turn things around. I mean, before he gets up the mountain, when he gets to the mountain, when they get into the little crevices, I mean, it is, it is crazy. Um, and Oren's just losing his mind. Do you think that Ben is maybe trying to go the extra step that he probably should have taken with Anakin? Do you feel like you, maybe he feels guilty about letting Anakin go bad, that he's going to go the furthest he possibly can to get Orin to turn around. Do you think that's weighing on him at all in this decision to, you know, there's some extra effort there, Patrick? I did. I thought there was always guilt and sorrow in a lot of his decision-making coming down with, with um, Orin and stuff unfolded. And, yeah, he just... He always did like try and give him just like that extra, just like, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. Don't do this. Don't no Stop. Don't do this. And I personally, I wanted him to just, you know, snatch Orin up by like the scruff of his shirt and just slam him against a rock and, you know, tell him, show him what his real name is. But, uh, yeah, I think that like that sorrow and that just, that sense of loss that he had with Anakin is still so fresh that it made him overcorrect the opposite way. Adam, what do you think there? Yeah, definitely. I think that there is possibly a little bit of regret and just a drive to see someone who is clearly not a good person be better than he is. And 
there's literally no end in the chances that Ben is giving at this point, even though as the reader, we're like, all right, come on, he's it's done. There's no turning back now. He has taken the person that he professed a love for hostage. That means he, there's no love there. He is now. It's full self-preservation mode and always has been. And that's... It's hard to really change that type of viewpoint in a person. So, Ben, whoop his ass. Yeah, basically, just <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we that's what we, I as a reader want to see at this point. I want to, I need to see that Oren. There are consequences for these actions. It just keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> Use the lightsaber. Hmm. Show no mercy. <laughs> yeah. Well. He is going to use the lightsaber here in a minute, but I, I got to ask real quick, you know, let's switch over to Aark. What do we think about her saving Annalene? Did you, did you see her jumping in to save her from, from Mullen and Vika, Adam? I, I was kind of surprised to be honest with you. Yeah, I was definitely surprised, but then, you know, you start to think about it like, you know, two mothers, two women in very different environments, though really kind of got a kinship in the fact that they are kind of keeping the ship straight in their own way. Ayak is the anchor of the Tuscan camp and Annalene is the anchor of the Oasis. So, you know, there's that there's that that bond there, I think, that Ayak can can see. And then not only does Ayak save Annalene, then Annalene goes off and the Tuscan children are willing to go with her and to get away from all of this. Like I think there is definitely a bond from their shared experiences and the, just what they've both had to have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's really cool that, um, you know, really good call out that you can come from two completely different backgrounds, but have very similar experiences and can find a way to to relate and share those together. Patrick, were you surprised at all? Or were you just like, yeah, that makes total sense? Both, but when you look at it on retrospect, it makes total sense because, um, like uh, I heard the saying one time, crisis can be like a fire that forges everything together. And these two characters, like Adam said, going through a similar crisis of trying to save their families and the, almost their way of life in a lot of ways, having to team up, and also the respect that Arc has for Ben and that triangle right there of respect. It it would make sense that a bond is forged and like more so often not of uh of mutual understanding and respect. Not so much friendship, but Yeah. It's it's, it's well and also it's like vitally important that you like you see this as well because you know Aark was what the reason that Annaline had lost her husband. So there's also that Annaline is also willing to go with her as well, which I thought was really important. Yeah, that's a, a great point. All right, we're going to talk about the lightsaber. Ben finally reveals in front of Oren that he has a lightsaber, that he is a Jedi, because a crate dragon shows up. And what I've recently learned is, one, what a crate, what at least one type of crate dragon actually looks like, because we just freaking saw one in the Mandalorian. Oh, my God, that was amazing. But also, I learned via Star Wars Archives with Trevor and Jose, that there are multiple kinds of crate dragons. I thought it was really cool that we got to see this one here. The way that it was described, the, you know, kind of how big it was, the fact that, you know, Ben had to get the lightsaber into very particular points to to kill it. Um, you know, Oren's still not turning around in any of this. 
what did you think about that epic battle, Adam, with the crate dragon? Uh, getting to see it, I mean, having seen it in, in Mando, but now getting to see it in book form, what did you think about that? Yeah, loved it and really loved the writing. It was really descriptive. I was able to picture what I was meant to be seeing at that point. And just, again, just another, let's just kick Horan while he's down, why not? Um, just the fact that despite all of this, there is still the, I'm going to turn you into the Empire, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you just don't get it, champ. <laughs> yeah. Literally, you are you are at your end. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Like he is saving your life. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he, he tries he tries to take out um Aark. You know, she shows up and you know tries to ram her and then you know th- he uh she throws the Gaddafi stick at him and breaks the windshield, they tumble off the ledge, and um, you know, Aark is dangling there, um, and Ben and Annaline save her. I thought it was a really cool moment that Ben was like, you want to live. Remember, like, don't don't let yourself die here. Like you got a clan and a people and children to to look after. Patrick, what did you think about that callback to remember you you want to live, right? That was that was a touch in the feels. That was I don't know why, but that just hit me. It hit me a whole different spot of my chest in my feelings. I was like, oh, yeah. Don't forget, live for the children, please. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really cool that, I, if anything, I think it kind of solidified for, for Arc one that, that Ben is attentive, you know, that, that he's, he's there for a reason. He means what he's saying. Um, and I think it shows another little bit of Aark's growth. I mean, she's grown a lot in this book um, that she's willing to kind of to, to push um, and to fight for something else to not just give up because it was a, a worthwhile defeat, I guess. You know, chapter 46, we find out that Oren it turns out to be alive. Aark basically takes him um, and he's a Tuscan, which I was very glad to see. You know, we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. Adam, what did what did you think about that? About that decision to make him a Tuscan and then the fact that he made magic water finally. <laughs> Fitting, right? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was a great ending to his story. I felt no pity. Um and I thought that after all the pain that he had caused the Tuscan villages and just the manipulation, the killing at the the canyon which still is in my mind like just good redemption through life this is it's not like and for me this is a happy ending because i think that now he can give back to the people that he took so much from yeah and i love that he he, it took him literally losing every possible thing and becoming the thing that he hates the most to find the thing that he's been pursuing the entire book which is, you know, that secret formula to this most magical water. I mean, they didn't explicitly call that out, but they were like, they tasted this water and it was magical. Um, and I thought that was such a cool, um, and it was very poetic to see that, that he found that he finally got the thing, but it was at his absolute lowest point for what he thought was, was what his life was going to look like. Uh, Patrick, did you enjoy, um, enjoy his end? Man, the force works in mysterious ways, and it got him right there. And yeah, it's poetic justice. 
Um, they say everything you do goes around. Uh, what comes around goes around. Came yep. right around and got him right in his ass. Because, uh, <laughs> like Adam said, he was the one thing he hated the most in his life. He had to be and suffer through forever. And I feel like that as an ending a lot better than if he were to die in an accident or he was to Kenobi would have had to kill him at the end because death would have been a way out. The, but living almost a nightmare is a punishment, an internal punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really, yeah, really glad to see, to see a villain have to live with, uh, to just uh, see a villain live at the end to have to face punishment and, and to do that. I, it felt, felt really good to see. Um, and Adam, you got your wish. Your girl, Annaline is off to travel the galaxy. Um, uh, we talked about that, you know, a couple weeks back that really all we want for her is just to leave. Um, and she does. <laughs> How does that make you feel? I really liked that end for her. Uh, I think in the end, Annaline was my favorite character in the story closely followed by mm. Ayark and then probably Obi-Wan coming in with the bronze. It was just, I just wanted her to be free, I think. And I, she she deserved so much better than wasting away on the Oasis. Like, so it was, it was wonderful to see her actually escape because not many people get to do that. Um, and she got to be able to do that. Not only she was Not only was she able to escape, but she was able to take her children with her before you know especially jabe fell into that crowd yeah and you know his his touch uh, you know his touch with almost you know nearly dying really kind of turned his character around too i think um that he was much more receptive to to going and to being a part of his family uh which which i really appreciated there it was a little tough though to see ben have to like settle into the yeah i've been lying to you now leave um, you know, that was, that was really, really tough to see. Uh, Patrick, did that hit you any type of way? It did, but, uh, I feel like from my understanding on how the, um, the author was trying to write it, that he, he was exaggerating that he was lying yes. a lot more. Like he was, you know, as you say, playing it up because he actually never really lied to her. He just had to mm-hmm. like, you know, find a way to, you know, separate the two. Yeah, like, I mean, he's I not gonna—he's not gonna tell her he's a Jedi, right? Yeah, he just had to tell her that she, I can't go with you. You got to go on your own. Sorry. Yeah, he had to make it. He had to make it in a way that she didn't want him to come. Yeah, Patrick, was there was there a character that whose growth you liked to see like the most? Like, I guess who was your favorite character in this in this whole book? Kind of now that we're at the end. You know, I, I feel like the four primary characters we got are Aark, Orin, Annalene, and Ben. You know, who was your whose growth did you like to see more there? Annalene's. I liked her personal, like her growth and realization of her life, and just her awareness of her own reality. Because especially towards the end of the book, but in terms of like how everything unfolds, I felt Oren was the most interesting. Even though I hate him, the storyline for him was amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. 
Adam, I know you said Annalene is was your you know your favorite character. You know, was there was was her growth the one you liked to see the most, or was there uh, was there anyone else that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, Annalene was my favorite because I just wanted just a happy ending for her. I think that she'd been through so much that just to see her have a happy ending would have meant a lot. But yeah, like Aark as well. It was just really interesting to see that side of the Tuscan population and Ben just to see Ben grow as a person away from the influences of the Jedi order away just it was the first time he'd really been alone even Qui-Gon was just ignoring him so we just I think it was really important to see a character as important as Ben Kenobi be that vulnerable and that's what he was he was vulnerable throughout that whole story and then at the end, it's it's that's why it's so brutal to see him lie like that, because um, he feels like he has to. So yeah, just his right. growth really hits you in the feels as well. Yeah, well, now that we've come to the end, now that we've finished, uh, you know, this incredible book, Foundational Five, um, we do have a Kenobi series that's coming around the pike you know they were getting close to starting filming i think that's coming up again soon what do we want to see if anything translate over into a series patrick let's start with you is there anything in particular you'd like to see whether it's carbon copied from the book or um i don't know slightly off what what, what do you think that series is going to look like they would be very interested in a series that's you know, draws a lot of um, inspiration from the book. Maybe it takes place right after, or um, they just shift it up a bit, shift the story up a bit for um, for the different medium. But if they did a carbon copy, I'd still be very intrigued and see how it looks and see how it plays out. Because this is a story that you can you can go through over and over, and it's still great the second and third time around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Adam, I know that you and I have mostly read uh, canon. You know, we're we're not as deep into our Legends content as we would like. But, you know, considering this is Legends, they have you know brought a couple of things into Mando and things like that. You know, would you like to see any of this show up again, um, having just read it? Uh, or do you think there's anything different? They could there's a twist they could put on it. What do you think? I'm always open for new storytelling, but I really do think that this story would just translate so well into a live-action scenario. I think that the ver- like the whole Aeark narrative and the Tuscan narrative, I think needs to that would have to be there somewhere. I think that we have looked at them as lower for too long, and I think that the ability to see that community and as close as they are and as brutal as they can be would be very important for Star Wars fans to see. Not just the 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 individuals jumping up and down with their, their rifles and their Gaddafis. Like, we've seen it a little bit in The Mandalorian, but like a mini-series with Obi-Wan there dealing with his, his trauma as we then see the Tuscans having to deal with him and deal with everything else going around them. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. That was the thing that I was most excited about reading in this book. And the thing that I was really stoked to see in Mando, where they're working on uh, you know, developing the sign language with the Tuscans and 
and all of that. And I, I would like to see that get its full dedication in a series. Um, there are a lot of conflicts and yeah, definitely some very similar things they could do. Bring in some other cartels, maybe, um, you know, the huts, you know, may be a big influence, but I would like to, I, I wouldn't mind even if they decided to carbon copy it, which I don't think they will, but I, I would love to love to see it. And I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad that Ewan McGregor is coming back. I think that's going to be solid for, um, for, you know, to carry a series, get to see a very different side of him and get to use some of his acting chops. I'm very, very stoked to see that. So, well, I think that's all I got boys. Got any any final thoughts, any final things you want to add? I mean, this is an incredible book. I think highly deserving of the foundational five status. I'm not going to try to replace anything uh, with it. I think it deserves its spot. <laughs> Patrick, any final words? No, sir. Awesome. Adam, you final words? Uh, nothing from me. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, so glad to wrap up another book. Boys, next week we're going to be covering episode 17. The fact that they've let us do this for 16 plus weeks is astounding to me. We haven't broken Utini yet. I think that's a good feat. Um, although there is still time because next week we're starting comics. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, if there's anything in particular that y'all want to see us talk about in the Age of Republic Villains comics, let us know. Um, we're talking about Darth Maul and Count Dooku and General Grievous. And I'm forgetting one. Can't think of it. But yeah, let us know. What do you want to hear? Thank y'all for participating. Um, thanks for being in the chat. Thanks for listening to us on Patreon. We'll be back next week to talk through Age of Republic uh, villains. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter. I am uh, at underscore T Guthrie. You can find me on Discord there too. Adam is at DarkStarAU and Patrick's on Discord at Mac11. If you want to help support the show, head on over to utini.com, look up Kenobi and click the Amazon link on the profile. It'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content. You'll find links to Age of Republic and January's book, Light of the Jedi, in the show notes. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. Checking out that holiday sweater that Jose made. It is phenomenal. Special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Kyle Hickman, and Elizabeth Cloutier, and our very own Freddie C on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. Y'all, the bookshelf is going to open soon. Tell us what books you want to read in February. Finally, shout out to Adam and Patrick for podcasting with me today. You guys are the best. May the Force be with you, everyone. <laughs>